Thanks, Meg. Uh, you're going to want to keep some kind of bookmark in that Luke passage. Uh, we'll get there towards the end. Uh, but why don't I start by praying? Let's pray. Uh, Lord, as we come to your word, soften our hearts and minds and work in us through your spirit by the grace of your son, Jesus. Amen. Uh, just be warned that I won't get you to sing at any point uh, throughout this or to bar like sheep. Um, at least that's not planned. We'll see what happens. Uh, today, we're going to be looking at what the Bible has to say about grumbling, discontentment and bitterness. And when I got allocated this topic, I laughed. In fact, my wife Naomi, she laughed too. And if you were in a 40-day challenge group with me at the beginning of this year, or if you are on my gospel team last year, you're probably laughing to yourself as well. Because if this talk was on how to be bitter, or how to grumble, I would have been the perfect choice. For the 12 months ago, I was a chronic grumbler. Because grumbling is everywhere in our society. You see it all the time. Read any opinion piece in the paper, it's just full of bitterness, full of complaining. We literally have radio segments dedicated to grumbling, to complaining. And I think complaining about your job, as far as I can tell, is one of the great Australian pastimes. Every barbecue, that's what you do. And we even see it in church, don't we? Uh, People say things like, the sermons are too long. We sit and stand too much. The student minister is from Newcastle. (laughs) But in all seriousness, like so many sins, discontentment and grumbling has crept into our lives and into the church. And so like all sin, even when the world thinks it's completely fine, we need to dig it out and we need to get rid of it. And so let's stop listening to me and see what the Bible has to say. And as you'll see on your outline, uh, there's three things that the Bible will tell us today that we need to hear. I think I'm a bit ringy. Sorry, Nathan. No, it's all right. Uh, The first thing is that bitterness and grumbling is attitude. The second thing is that bitterness and grumbling is communal. And thirdly, that bitterness and grumbling is sin. I've left those blank in case you want to fill them out uh, on your outline. So let's start with the first one. The bitterness and grumbling is attitude. And that's because, at its core, grumbling is a sin of the heart and mind towards God about other people or our circumstances which doesn't consider the goodness and wisdom and power of our God. Let me say that again. Grumbling is a sin of the heart and mind toward God about other people or our circumstances which doesn't consider the goodness, wisdom and power of God. And we see this all throughout the Old Testament. So take a look at Exodus 17 up on the screen. Uh, This is what it says. Israel camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So the people complained to Moses, Give us water to drink. Why are you complaining to me, Moses replied to them. Why are you testing the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water and grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you ever bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? 
Right here in this story, we have the ultimate insight into the heart of bitterness. In this story, Israel has just been set free from slavery. In Egypt, they were slaves. And despite being saved by God, they still grumble. They don't pray, they don't ask, they grumble. This is the God who split the Red Sea. If there's anyone who has power over water, it's God. Yet still the first thing that they do is complain. They forget God is even part of the picture and they start complaining to Moses. And what makes this even worse is that it's happened before. It's happened two chapters earlier in Exodus 15. And take a look up at Exodus 16, the chapter before this, it says this, the entire, this is a different story. The entire Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by pots of meat and ate all the bread we wanted. Instead, you brought us into this wilderness to make this whole assembly die of hunger. See, here it's even worse because they acknowledge God's power. And they still complain against him. Do you see what's going on? Their hearts and their minds are far from God. This isn't a material issue. Food and water here aren't the core of the problem. It's their hearts and their minds. They've rejected God. They've forgotten his goodness and sovereignty. And now they're grumbling to each other. And we see it all the time, don't we? On the radio, online, in conversations with friends and family. But more importantly, we need to see that this is an issue for ourselves. We're so quick to judge Israel, but we do the same thing. We do the same thing. Even though we, are, we grumble because we forget God's power. Despite having every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms through Jesus, when things at work or church stay the same, despite our bitterness is when our hearts and minds don't consider the goodness, wisdom and sovereignty of God. And so I want to suggest that when we become bitter and start to grumble, we need to take a second to be real. Be real. Adjust our minds to the true reality where God is good and wise. When we start to grumble, we need to check if our hearts and our minds reflect the wisdom of our sovereign God. Do we believe that God is good? That he has a wise plan for our lives? Because that's the reality. Our hardened hearts are deceitful. In bitterness, we blind ourselves to the truth. That God is the good, wise, loving, powerful Father. And we know this about God, don't we? Take a look at Matthew 7, verse 11, up on the screen. And notice how it compares people with God. And it shows how good God is. What man among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? 
See, God is wise and good and a powerful father. He gives even better gifts than earthly. Be real. But one of the other things that the Bible shows us about bitterness and grumbling is that it's not something that we do alone. And that brings us to our second point on your outline. Bitterness and grumbling is communal. I don't know if you notice this about all the passages in Exodus before as we were reading through, but they all grumble together. It's not just one person yelling out and grumbling. No, it's everyone together. And you see this idea when you get to the New Testament as well. As we look through the passages that come up on the screen, just notice that it talks about people in groups. And when it says you, it means all of you. So let's take a look. Uh, Romans 3 verse 14. Their mouths are full of bitterness and cursing. Philippians 2 verse 14 and 15. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation. Ephesians 4, verse 31, up on the screen, all bitterness, anger and wrath, shouting and slander must be removed from you. And Hebrews 12, verse 15, make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble and by it defiling many. We're going to take a little bit of a longer look at this Hebrews verse. And did you notice that it talks about a root of bitterness? Because here bitterness is like a weed. Now, Nose and I, we are terrible gardeners. I'll just say that much. We used to live in this house with these lovely garden beds. And every once in a while, we'd see these weeds spring up. And because we were lazy... We just left them there. That's not our garden, by the way. That's just a Google search. But then, all of a sudden, weeds were everywhere. They ruined the whole garden. And that's what Hebrews says bitterness is. It's a the fact that I've never experienced grumbling, tear a church apart that I've been a part of. But I wouldn't be surprised if for some of us in this room, we've seen it happen. Bitterness spreads its roots and springs up all over the... Because I want to say that because I'm speaking from experience. And so like any weed, we have to pull it out of this because our usual response to grumbling is grumbling. As Jesus says, we need to pull the logs out of our own eyes before the specks. Now, I use the word rebuke because the Bible says that bitterness and grumbling are sin, which brings us to the third of these points on the outline. And obviously, this is the case. I can hear you saying it in your heads. Marcus, of course, grumbling. It's a sin. We know we're doing the sin series at church. You don't have to tell us. But I make this point because of the warning of Psalm 95, which we read earlier. And from verse 8, it reflects on God's response to Israel's grumbling, which we saw earlier in Exodus. And so take a look at what happens in verse 8. It should come up on the screen. Do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness where your fathers tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years I was disgusted with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray. They do not know my ways. 
So I swore in my anger, they will not enter my rest. See, even though they had seen God's salvation walking through the Red Sea, they had hardened their hearts towards God and grumbled. And so what does God say to them? They will not enter my rest. They will not enter my rest. Uh, Now, the best commentary I could find on this passage, Psalm 95, is actually in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews. So take a look at what it says about this passage for us today. Again, in that passage, in Psalm 95, he says, They will never enter my rest, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he specifies a certain day. Today, speaking through David after such a long time, as previously stated, today, if you hear his voice, Do not harden your hearts. This isn't just an Old Testament promise from Psalm 95. No, Psalm 95 is a message for us. Today, today, this moment, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Don't go on. So where have we been? Well, the Bible's shown us that grumbling, discontentment, bitterness, they're all attitude. Our hearts and minds reject God and forget his goodness and wisdom. And we've seen that it's communal. While it's our own attitude, it springs up and defiles many. And finally, we've seen that bitterness, grumbling and discontentment are sin. If we keep on in our grumbling, we'll be cut off from God. It's pretty heavy stuff. God's word looks at sin that we're willing to respect enough to just ignore and it says, no way, get it out of here. And I've already suggested a couple of things that we might want to do to remedy, which brings us to the last point on the outline. Now to see this way out, out, we need to go back to Luke 23, which you had in your Bibles and hopefully you're still there. If you're not, uh, flick it open, it's page 973. And I don't know if you noticed that when Meg read the Bible earlier, but nowhere in this passage do we find the word grumbling. Nowhere in this passage do we find the word discontentment. And nowhere in this passage do we find bitterness. And that's exactly the point. Look at the things that happened to Jesus on the day of his death. So take a look, chapter 23, verse 33. It says this, Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. And they divided his clothes and cast lots. Is that the right verse? No, it's not. That was 34. When they arrived at the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. With nails through his hands, they hanged Jesus on a wooden cross. And verse 35. The people stood watching... And even the leaders kept scoffing. He saved others. Let him save himself if this is God's Messiah, the chosen one. People stand there insulting him, scoffing at him in the most painful moment of his life. Verse 36. The soldiers also mocked him and they came offering him sour wine. Verse 39. 
Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. The insults are just piled on and piled on. And earlier in Luke, we've seen that Jesus was completely innocent. This sentence to death on a cross is completely unjust. So surely if any person in all of history has the right to grumble, to be bitter, only he can conquer sin and soften our grumbling, discontent hearts. So trust him. Trust Jesus. We need him in this battle. Don't harden your hearts as they did in the wilderness. Trust Jesus and have your heart softened by him. And when you do, take on the power of God. Take a look at Hebrews 12 up on the screen. Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. That's bitterness, right? Bitterness is so easily ensnaring of our lives. Let us, run the, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that lay before Jesus, knowing the goodness and wisdom of the Godhead, saw the glory to come and endured the pain of the cross. As followers of Jesus, purchased with his blood on the cross, we know the goodness and wisdom of God, don't we? And we know the hope of future glory, eternal life, surrounding the throne, singing praises to God for all eternity. So come back to Jesus' cross and let it remind you of the Saviour who didn't grumble and the glory that he won for us, the glory we look forward to. And we're going to need the Spirit's help, aren't we? So let's pray. Our Lord God, we are grumblers at heart. We regularly forget the goodness that you've shown to us in Jesus' death on the cross. Thank you that by his sacrifice, we can have our hearts made soft. Lord, thank you for bringing us into your kingdom. Shape us.